Tuesday decks coming your way in a few moments' time, so stay tuned for that as well. We'll start with the news that uh, Anna-Marie Phelps, who has been the chair of the British Horse Racing Authority since 2019, won't seek a second term, and she'll be replaced by the current independent board director, Joe Somerez-Smith, who will take on the role for 18 months. Uh, Maddie, your thoughts on, on what sort of legacy uh, Anna-Marie Phelps has left, both in terms of style and governance? Yes, um it's clearly, you know, she came from her a rowing background uh, into this role and has had experience within a similar uh, role before. Um, and now we know that she's obviously not going to be seeking another term. I think for British racing, this is going to be a really crucial couple of years. We've seen a lot of, um, you know, moving around in their ranks. Lots of people have left. Um, and I think that sort of the lack of stability there doesn't necessarily bode well for what's going to be really, really crucial um, period of time coming up with so many different obstacles um, to negotiate. I think what, what Anna-Marie Phelps has seemed to have done is to secure uh, the BHA as the governor of the sport. You know, rather than just being a regulator, she's managed to secure a position, a bargain a position that, that the BHA would actually have a strengthened role as the leader, even though she won't be, she won't be the chair. I mean, how important do you think that is to have a, a sort of independent you know, governing, governing arm? I think it is important, um, and there's so many different aspects to the way that racing's run. We often talk on this show about how debates are, are coming from so many different corners and different uh, stakeholders represented, um, and it's a tough job to be able to juggle all of that. And perhaps we're going to see some changes uh, in, the, in the way that British racing is run and mm. the structure of that going forward. Yeah, and Joe Somerow-Smith, who, who takes over, he was on the show a few weeks ago. He is um, the, the chair of the Levy Reform Group, and he's also been an instrumental part of uh, the BHA and the industry-wide um, uh, submission to the gambling review. So it's, it's quite clear that the stakeholders feel that these are the key priorities now, the hard stuff, the 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 meaty stuff, the, the levy reform right at the, the top of the list. Yeah, I was going to mention that you'd, you'd anticipate with his background, that's going to be one of the first things on his list. OK, let's talk about um, the issue of jockeys' weights. Uh, the BHA has had a look at this and they've reshaped the situation as to, as to what sort of allowance jockeys have in order to uh, offset the fact that there won't be any saunas used in, in Britain, nor indeed in Ireland quite soon. Have you, have, what's your sort of over, overarching feeling on this? It's confusing to get your head around, isn't it? A little. <laughs> so they've got the extra uh, pound now in their safety allowance. Um, of course, there was a big uproar in the jockey ranks when this initially came out, um, and the other side of it as well is now that the published weights in the race cards are going to change as well to reflect more accurately um, the weights that jockeys are carrying. Um, I'm a big advocate for transparency, and obviously when you're a punter, any information that you can get your hands on is key, so I think that's a good move. Um, and we've also got the issue of, of saunas as well and, and the fact that they're not going to be in use. So. Lots of decisions being made, um, and I think not necessarily they're always the most harmonious decisions, um, but there's good intent behind them. Um, jockey weight's a very, very key sort of aspect to our sport, and I think perhaps the days are, are gone where we sit there and accept that jockeys using perhaps sort of old-fashioned methods to, to lose weight. I think that's something that we need to keep more of an eye on going forward. So yeah, it, it's good it, intent behind it. Obviously, we heard last summer the, the sort of overarching narrative when the, 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 the full allowance was there that you know, jockeys were in a better place because they weren't sweating so much, they weren't using saunas. 
But it's now, that consistency, isn't it, with their weights? Well, yeah, but now we're hearing, well, if I, if I can't use a sauna just to take off that pound that I need to take off, then I'll have to you know, go running around the track twice and I'll have to get sweat in the car using bin liners and you know, sweat at home and my life's going to be even even more miserable. And, and that, that isn't, it, isn't it surely the case that you have to trust people to look after themselves responsibly? And if a sauna is part of that, then is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so, and I think we should listen to jockeys because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are responsible for their weight and they know how best to uh, to, to moderate it and to keep on top of it. And as you say, if, if you get rid of saunas, does that mean that they'll just turn to other means um, to do the same job? So I think there needs to be a clear discussion and dialogue here, and I think we need to, to trust our jockeys because there's been so much development in the last couple of years in terms of diet, personal training, fitness, um, I think it was Stan Shepard who's had such a breakout season saying a personal trainer has, has changed his mm. approach. <coughs> so um, we're going to see more of this going forward and, and weight's going to be a big part of the discussion. OK, let's talk about uh, the decision to uh, keep Robbie Power on Manila Indo after he'd ridden him in the Irish Gold Cup in preference to, to Jack Kennedy who rode the horse in last year's uh, Gold Cup. I, I had my say on this the other day, Maddie. so... Um, do you do you get the logic here? I do, and I think it's interesting because we're talking about horses who, maybe quirky's a bit harsh, but they're individuals, um, and their sort of characteristics are particularly suited to different jockeys. Um, Jack Kennedy, so successful aboard Manella Indo last year, is he really going to be without a ride in the Gold Cup? Um, Davy Russell seems to get on fantastically with Galvin. Um, and then that leaves Robbie Power on Manella Indo and Rachel Blackmore on Aplutard. Mm. So and Jack Kennedy sitting in the weighing room. Indeed, doesn't run. which is seems crazy, but I think, in my mind, conflated will go to the right now. I think that's the race I'd run him in. And he won't ride him um, there either, because they say David Russell's going to ride him. Exactly. So you've got, a very, you've got last year's uh, Gold Cup winning jockey without a ride, but that just shows how competitive the jockey ranks are in Ireland, and indeed how it's a bit like a merry-go-round. If you're out of the question for, for one ride, that has implications on others. But it's interesting to me because this year's Gold Cup tactically has a lot of different facets to it. And I think mm. the jockeyship on the different horses is going to play a big part in that. Particularly that horse who probably wants a nice, even, swinging, swinging sort of gallop. Manella Which one? Manella Indo. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been called some names, hasn't he? He does tend to produce his, his best at Cheltenham. There was a theory... Well, if, you, if you just got a tape of his Cheltenham runs, you wouldn't call him any names, would you? Exactly. There was a theory going around that perhaps he didn't get on so well with Rachel Blackmore. I'm not necessarily sure that's um, explicitly the case. I mean, they won an Albert Bartlett together. They yeah, won numerous how. races over, over fences together. But... Um, He's a horse who produces his best at Cheltenham and perhaps needs to be ridden with quite a lot of confidence. Um, he's a strong stayer. He's a very good jumper when he gets it right, but that's not always the case. OK, Robbie Power, who has won a Cheltenham Gold Cup before on Sizing John. He and it shows be... you as well, sorry, yeah. Nick, the, sorry, the sort of... Um, respectfully the older members of the the weighing room you look at Robbie Powell you look at Davy Russell mm. they've had to come back from so many injuries and that experience is invaluable at a track like Cheltenham yeah agreed um non-runner no bet do you like it I don't dislike it uh I don't choose to make as much use of it as some people because I'm greedy and I want the bigger price and I'm happy to take the risk when I'm wrong which most of the time I probably am um it has a purpose, 
but I guess it's just personal preference in how you choose to utilise it and, and what stage of the season it's at and what sort of bets you're having. I, I think it's, it's sort of... When, it, when the concession was first offered, I think it had more, more, more attraction to it. I think now when you look at a... I, I realise that this is exactly what it's made for. You've got a list of horses, half of whom won't run in the race. But the, the juice is just squeezed mercilessly out of every price. And you just look at it and think, well, I may as well wait till the day. If I had a, a bingo card for coming on this show, I'm sure someone would have written down on it, Mount Ida Gold Cup. Because this is one of the yeah. times where I use an on yeah. no bet because I'm so frustrated. Um, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, at another point, that she's not going to be running in the race because I think it would suit her down to the ground. And that is one aspect where I was happy to use the non-runner non no bet. Um, I think she was still in there last time I checked. So I think I, I, think I backed her, but I think I backed her not. No, not anyway, so there you are. I've, <laughs> I've completely torpedoed my own point. But... Um, yeah, I mean, clearly it has as much as, as, as I, I just feel that the nearer you get to the festival, um, it, it, it's almost pointless having an anti-post bet. It ruins the fun as well a little bit, totally. doesn't it? Half the argument is to find the horse and try and predict which race it's going to run in. Um, and I guess it's one of those, isn't it? There's lots of different markets that people can dip into at Cheltenham and enjoy. I know another one that um, I know people use a lot is the to win any race. Mm. Um, and that can be quite tasty if you get on one at the right time. But personally, yeah, I like trying to do it the old-fashioned way. And um, if I'm wrong, which I probably am, then so be it. Yeah, and if you actually get one lining up, then you, you feel like you've half won. Exactly. Which was, which was part of the fun. Um, <coughs> here we go. Uh, this is, we limit this. There's, a, there's a quite a good reason why these get limited to two minutes. And this is one of them this week. Because I'm, I'm so done with the five-day festival chat now. I think I must have talked about it a couple of times every time I come on this show. Yeah. Um, listen, do you want my personal opinion? Of course, I always want your personal opinion. I hate it. I don't think it should happen. Um, I think it would be a terrible move for the sport. I think it would be a terrible move if you're a fan of racing. Um, I think someone's got to come forward and say, let's put the interests of the sport mm. first. Obviously, there are commercial arguments to suggest that it's, it's a very real possibility. I respect that. But I think there are probably one too many Cheltenham Festival races as it is. Um, Carl Llewellyn spoke brilliantly in our newspaper about it, totally in the, in the same boat as him. I think it would be depressing. I think it would be very sad. And I hope it doesn't happen. Wow. Nicky Henderson's a fan of racing, though. He likes it. Yes. Kim Bailey's Kim a Bailey, great fan yeah, of racing. I, he I, likes I, it. I spoke to Kim Bailey. Um, Lots of owners like it. During the week. They do. But are many people really it's calling make loads for of it? Money. They're, saying, the it, they're saying it might happen, but who's actually, as a spectator, going, yeah, I really want that to happen? Six race cards. What about people who can't get, get racing on a, on a weekday, want to go on the Saturday? Well, as I spoke to Kim Bailey, he said he hopes the Gold Cup wouldn't go to a Saturday because then it would have to compete with all the other sporting events. Um, most people manage to get it off one way or another, don't they? I have, I'll be there. <laughs> you work for the Racing Post. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, that was tongue-in-cheek, but... Um, you know, there are so many other sporting events that happen midweek as well that people manage to get there. Um, and hey, maybe in the future we have a four-day Cheltenham Festival that does go over to the Saturday. Why do we need to make it five days? I, I made this point earlier in the week. If, if, if it is inevitable, if that is, as they say, I, I don't like this phrase, but if that is the direction of travel for there to be a five-day Cheltenham Festival, um, then they just need to completely relook at the race programme. And there's too many, too many grade ones. They need to actually take 
down the amount of grade ones, not increase them. We were talking too many opportunities for the good horses, for the, for the really elite horses. We're, we're going to get, get small fields in a minute as well. We're still going out of, our, uh, out of our two minutes yeah. on this issue. But we were talking earlier, look at the turners. Um, you know, you've got two fantastic horses. How many other horses are going to run? About two, maybe. The Supreme, how many runners this year compared to... I think it's going to be eight or nine, isn't Years it? and years ago. How many is it? Uh, we've got, we should have them through, roughly, how many there are in the Supreme. Hang on, he's counting. <laughs> he's counting. Nine, nine in the Case Supreme. Closed. There you are. Breaking news. We'll, we'll have broken on Twitter 11 minutes ago, but breaking news, nine in the Supreme. Yeah. Yeah, there you are. Right, okay. Too many grade ones. Britain versus Ireland. Is this narrative overplayed, Maddie, or not? I find it quite fun. It, it tells a story. It's important. We have to find out why. Do we why. care where the winners are trained? Should we care where the winners are trained? Yes, I think we do. Or should we just we get, on, get on and back them? Yeah, because if there's any suggestion of, of unfairness in a, in a handicapping sort of perspective, then I think that needs to be tackled. For what it's worth, I think Ireland's dominance is so strong that, I mean, you look at the Imperial Cup, put an extra £5 on that horse's back, it's not going to make any difference at all. Um, last year's Grand National, how many of, was it nine of the first ten mm -hmm. Irish trained? You could put more weight on their back and uh, that would have made a great deal of difference. Um, but I think, yeah, we want our, our sport to succeed in Britain in its own right um, at different levels. And if we can't compete, then that's, that's a shame because we have the trainers to do it. We have, um, you know, magnificent jockeys and horsemen. Um, they just need to get these horses in their hands. Does and it, right does now, matter, that's something Ireland's dominating. Does it matter Ireland's from dominating. a fan interest point of view this week? I think so. I think it does. I'm, I'm not saying it's the be-all and end-all. Um, but it's quite a nice narrative to have as, as you know, you are not particularly patriotic, but you like to get behind your own. Um, St. Patrick's Day, there's always a great sort of buzz around that. And I think Britain have a lot to be proud of of racing in Britain. And, and uh, it's a shame when, when that can't be reflected on, on the big stage. If Constitution Hill and Edward Stone win the first two races, will you walk into the paddock with one of those small Union Jacks that people have when there's a Diamond Jubilee or whatever. I'm not sure about that, but uh, initially when I was looking at the, the handicap fields for this year, I did have more hope that Britain would do better, but so many of them can't even get into the races mm. because the Irish horses are uh, rated so high, and if Willie Mullins has, uh, you know, however many grade one horses in his yard, then he can afford to put a Galloping Deschamps and a Martin Pipe and he'll win as well. So it's pure dominance, um, and I think it teaches us a lot about where our sport is at and what we can do going forward. Okay. Um, and this was a festival prize money. I, I hadn't really given this a massive amount of thought, but I got an email from Chris Rodway saying that 75 grand to the winning owner of the Supreme Novice Hurdle just isn't good enough for a, a festival meeting uh, of this calibre, uh, the, the, the great four days in the sport. The prize money isn't, isn't great. Well, obviously, it's better than it is at most places, but is that, has he got a point or not? Of course he has, and it's still a, an issue that's reflected <coughs> across the whole spectrum. Um, and I suppose we're talking about small fields, but even I mentioned the Carl Llewellyn piece again. A lot of owners would rather finish fifth or sixth in a in a race at Cheltenham than win another race for as much prize money. Um, perhaps that's part of the reason why we see some of the sort of shape of, of fields that we do. Um, prize money's long been an issue uh, in British racing, and uh, I mentioned it in a column I did for um, the Racing Post not so long ago about the, 
the prosperity of racing in France and the equivalent in their Grand Steeplechase to Paris. I think the prize money in, in the 10 years has gone up 171%. And in the same time, the Gold Cups went up something like 70%. So that tells a tale. But when you have the, the real big spending owners, the kind of two, three, four, five hundred thousand spending owners, pretty well knowing that they can't get a return it's, back. It's irrelevant. And you have Paul Nichols sitting in that seat saying, my owners are not, it's not they don't care about prize money, but they are not motivated by it and driven by it. Does that not then give license to the racecourses to say, well, we'll give you good prize money, but we don't need to make it stratospheric because what's the point? It doesn't make sense from a business point of view. I understand that. Um, and so many racecourses do put on good prize money. Nick Alexander speaking before about Kelso, that was rewarded. And it was good to see big fields in the in the big races at Sandown tomorrow on the eve of Cheltenham. Yesterday, yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. Um, I go back to the Supreme. You know, the, there was it was eight to one the field uh, a couple of years back. I, I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, and and you know, twenty plus runners, and that just seems unheard of to me. I'm I'm newer to the sport than than some people, but even in my time in the sport, I've seen quite a lot of change and I'm scared that if it continues to go in this direction where we'll end up because it's not appealing when you look at a card and you see you know you're not going to get each way betting on on most of the races. Well if you took all the novices out of the county hurdle and the Coral Cup and the Martin Pipe and stuck them in the grade one novices and then you'd let more horses into the handicaps then I think all the races would be better off but there you are you can't stop people running a novice in a, in a handicap. Those were these, uh, no they were, those were this week's talking points.